Welcome to Church on the North Coast podcast. Our greatest desire is to encourage ministry leaders, empower and equip volunteers, and strengthen and build a believer. Welcome to the podcast today with me in the studio. My sister from another mister, Britt Wesley, is with us. Welcome to the podcast, Britt. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad good. you're here. What's going on in your life? Oh, well, we just had a little little bundle of joy. That is true. That is true. That comes with a whole bunch of explanation, (laughs) though. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, she was uh, she was born October 7th. Um, But uh, before that, she she's kind of our our miracle baby. And and we know that all children are miracle children. Um, However, um, last uh, 2021, we faced um, two separate tragedies where we had had um, miscarriages. Yeah. And we were devastated. And I can't, you know, we came to you and your wife and, and we were just like trying to lean into um, just the, the community of faith and, and the people that were around us just because it was just a really hard uh, season. And um, I had a friend of mine that gave me a prophetic word that um, my womb was not a graveyard. Wow. And, um, and I kind of, was she aware of what you're going through? Yeah. Yeah. She, she knew that it was, it was the very beginning of the first miscarriage too. And, and so then we had the second miscarriage and I was like, but you said, God, you said, and it's that moment of like, do you hold on to the prophetic word that was given or do you abandon it as wrong? You know, uh, that test and measure moment. Uh, have you of, seen a lot of that lately uh, in the body? Yeah. Like in the church? Yeah, yeah. Where they have to like, you, you have gotta, to push through the the prophetic moment. You know, uh, you're like, oh, this is, oh, it's a groaning. That's such it's a. It's so, it's gnarly too when you're in it because you're like, but you told me. And. Oh, that's so piercing coming from your lips. Yeah. I mean, you think about that. Like, I know we've, we've suffered those as well. Yeah. And like, but. So truthful, yeah. you know, and I think a lot of times uh, in the church, you know, we get these moments of, um, you, you know, we, we get glimpses of the promise. Yeah. And then we get in the fight for the promise. And then the moment it doesn't look like the promise, we got this temptation. Yeah. And yet you just have to sit still. So we, how did you do it? We sat the, our second miscarriage happened right around Thanksgiving. It was like a couple days before Thanksgiving. So then we have to face family. So then you got to be in a room and like, and all you want to do is like curl up in a ball. You just, you just don't want to be around. And so we sat still and I was just like, I'm not, I'm not talking against it. I'm not talking for it. (laughs) I'm not not making any declarations right now. I'm just going to sit and, and just sit with God. Cause, um, I I don't know if it was pastor Becca or, um, someone else that said, you know, there's sometimes that you just need to go cry on, on daddy's lap, you know, and just go cry on, on the lap of Jesus. And, and he, he'll take you at that moment too. He'll take you as you are. So we, we just, I, I grieved and I allowed myself to just sit still um, but I also met with some of my health people that um, are are good at diagnosing what's going on because it felt to me like not all of this was spiritual, like some of this was physical. And so I met with um, a woman that uh, does biofeedback, and, and then I met with my midwife that um, helps with, she's also a health coach. And so we worked on certain diet things, but through... Um, one of these uh, processes we had discovered that with one of the tests that I had a calcified thyroid, which can lead to miscarriages. Mm. And so um, we worked on how to heal my thyroid. And so we did some natural um, progressions of things. um, And we got to early January, January 11th. And there was a uh, midweek service and I laid down on the altar and I cried. Mm. And I was just like, I am not leaving mm-hmm. until you touch me. And I, I want the hem of your garment and I want it to cleanse me mm. and make me whole. And so we, I, I just prayed and I, I sobbed for, I, I think I sobbed 
almost to the point that you started your message. Like, I don't think I got off of the, the mm. altar steps for a really long time. I, I just sat in his presence and I felt, I just felt a calm in a moment. And I was just like, something feels different and I don't know what it is, but mm. something feels different. So we, um, we continued on. Um, the next week I was here and Pastor Trisha, who's the uh, children's ministry pastor, had um, come to us on a, come to me on a Friday. And she was like, you are going to have a baby. <laughs> and this baby will be a Samson baby. And I'm so confident that you're going to have another baby that I'm going to give you my crib. Because she was in the process of, of, uh, removing uh, the foster, all of her foster care equipment. Wow. And so... You took it? <laughs> I took it. I said, okay. You didn't get offended? I didn't get offended. I, I received it, and I said, okay. And this was like... You got it? You, this I, is January listen. 19th or something? I don't know. It was, like a, it was like two Fridays after I felt like I had been healed. And so if I look back, I think it was like January 20th, because, and that's that's a year ago, like today. So, yeah, um, if I if I look back, that was the weekend that we conceived mm. and little did we know it's not like you're, you know, um, keeping track, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I looked back and I was like, she gave that prophetic word and that time works out. So we then, uh, um, went on and I had told Ivan, I had curled up in a ball in one day, like I was just vulnerable and I was just, he's like, what do you want for your birthday? Cause my birthday's in February. And I was like, I want a baby. Mm, <laughs> and mm, mm. just a vulnerable moment. And um, I, I think Emily was in labor. Um, and my uh, one of my best friends, Marissa, uh, came over and she told us that they were expecting their fourth child. Mm. And it was um, Valentine's weekend. Mm. And I so I'm sitting in this place where I have I have one friend that had just discovered that she was pregnant. I had another friend that was about to have a baby. And then um, I, you know, so we're, we're sitting in this place and it was a roller coaster day. And I went upstairs and I realized, I think I need to take a test. And at the end of the day, it's like 10 p.m. I took a pregnancy test no and way. found out I was pregnant. And so, and we were like five weeks at, at that point. So it was just like, no way. So that's February. And so we have the Samson baby in our mind. And I was like, okay, there's a Samson baby. So this baby is strong. This baby is, mm. is um, capable. And so we just started praying over the pregnancy. And, you know, it, the, when we found out we were pregnant, that's, that was just a couple days before my birthday. So then I get my birthday present. I'm like, yay, I'm pregnant for my birthday. Which is, <laughs> um, you know, neat little um, addition. And we then... Uh, started to just walk out the pregnancy. And I've had a couple really rough pregnancies. I had a, um, two preterm labors that landed our children in the NICU. And then our third child, because we were so scared of yes. uh, a preterm labor, Talk then I was, then we, you know, we were like, okay, we'll bed rest and progesterone shots and all of these medical interventions. And I need to go see a doctor every single week. And um, the, the progesterone shots make you really sick. And I was working for the church at the time and I had, um, it was, it was making me so sick that I couldn't, um, like three or four days after the shots had happened, I was in bed and I had toddlers. So like, it's just really hard to like be in bed when you have itty bitties and, sure. but like I was, it was just, it made the, my whole body ache. It made me like sick. And so, um, <clears throat> the prayer was that whoever we met up with that was going to be part of our, our care team for this, um, pregnancy, um, one needed to be on board with the fact that I, I wanted to do this as naturally as possible. And not that I hadn't done any of the other ones naturally, it was just that this one was going to be really streamlined in that direction. And then, um, that we were, that we needed to stay, uh, focused on what heaven said. And, and what we heard from God. And so I hired a midwife that she's actually a traveling midwife and um, does this as a missionary. So she goes from place to place nationwide and delivers babies and um, prays over them. And she does it more like a um, mission 
work Mm -hmm. more than anything else. So we hired her to come in from out of state. And then I had someone here in town that um, took care of like coat care while she wasn't around. And so my, my midwife, that's the traveling midwife, Lauren, we would um, pray over the baby and make sure that everything like that my heart was set according to what Holy Spirit was saying Mm -hmm. at all times. And, and she was like an accountability partner in that way that we weren't focusing on fear and because with, with Evangeline, we were, I, I just remember spending a lot of time in fear. Like, don't have the baby. Just don't. Don't go into preterm labor. You're not allowed. You cross your legs. Do whatever you can. Like, lay down. Don't move. And, and so for, for Nalia, we, we really were, I was like, I don't want to live in fear. Mm-hmm. I really want to trust that God did all of these things for a good reason and that this is going to turn out good. You know, with the enemies meant for evil, God will turn out to be good. And so um, <clears throat> one of the first things that we did was we wanted to check my blood values and my thyroid levels just to make sure that everything was okay. So this is um, mid-March, early April. And I uh, we took the thyroid tests and looked at every, like, like there's, there's like initial thyroid tests and then there's like deep thyroid tests that you can take. And... Um, my thyroid on all levels came back clean. And for six years, I hadn't been able to sleep on my back. And um, as of like January 11th, I was able to sleep on my back. Like something in my throat was like closing off and that's where your thyroid is. Mm. So like we know that from a physical place, I, I was able to sleep better after January 11th. And then we know from like blood confirmation, blood tests, that I was absolutely healed um, and my thyroid was completely clear. Mm. So that was like this oh, so this is different, you know? And we're like, we're already walking through a miracle. Yeah, I love how you just jumped right in and just just went for it. <laughs> you, know, you just, you just like, here's my sister Britt, and here's my story, and I'm going to start with you, right? <laughs> it's good. I love it because, um, you, you know, that's, it's kind of like, what are you going to do when it doesn't work out? You know what I mean? And, and I don't understand, I don't think people understand the courage it takes to believe again. I mean, it's like, you, you know, it's not like a house. You know what I mean? When you believe again for the, the sacredness of, of another life, there's something there and the courage it takes. What? Like, what what do you do? How did you talk, talk to people right now that believed for something? Yeah. And it died. And then, watch. It's, it's okay, like one time, but you did it again. Yeah. You believed again, and it died. You have to share with me, everyone else, how you got to the third time and said, and, you, and then you were so compelled by belief that you, you changed the way you even thought about it, looked at it, considered it. Because so many people get stuck. Like when you lose, when you lose to that measure of pain, it's oh, like most people cash out. They're right. just like, I'm done. I'm done. I remember going through it. I mean, you know, and at, at one point I said, Becca, I can't, I, I can't risk losing you again. Like you almost, you, you did die the second time. Right. And I'm not doing it again. And, but still inside of her to this day. She's like, she talks as if she wants to believe again. And I'm like, what is that? And if you could, if you could somehow put that in a pill and give it to, <laughs> give it to like all of my friends all and the all, all the people who have suffered loss and quit. Yeah. And I understand, like, that's not an indictment. Like, that's not shame, you know? No. Like, that hurts so bad that you're like, I can't, that's too much. But there's something in your story that something got you there. And that's the part, you know, that. Does it, who is the, um, I'm going to mess up the names and I'm going to sound I'm sorry. dumb. Um, who is the, the servant of uh, Sarah? Is it Rahab? Oh. Or, um, uh, no, that's not right. Uh, so uh, she had Ishmael. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So there's a story 
that she was abused so much by Sarah that she went out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the desert and then mm-hmm. she sat by a rock mm-hmm. and she set yeah. her child down and she cried. Yeah. And the angel of the Lord came to her and he said, I'm here. Yeah. And she said, she called that uh, place, um, the place of the God who sees me. Hagar. Hagar. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so I knew it wasn't Rahab. I know, that's, not, not that's right. not Rahab. Hagar. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so you are the God who sees me. And, and I, the despair that you have to be in to lay your child down next to you and any mothers that have young children know that you can't like ignore them. They, they cry. (laughs) They're they're not just going to sit still. And, but if you're going to be in that place of despair, you don't have permission to sit still. um, When you have a child sitting next to you and, and so you have to be in a really, really dark place to think that you can just ignore your kid mm. and to be like, I'm just going to sit here and die and we're just going to die together. This is just what we're going to do. We're just going to die together. There's, there's nothing else to do. I'm, I can't go back there. I can't, I, I was already placed in a bad situation. Hagar's like story is, is one of despair nonstop. Like, it's not like a yay, happy Moses loves me too. Or Abraham loves, loves me too. Right. And so she walks into this place and she's like, I, I'm just going to die. And yet God came Mm -hmm. and he was the God who saw her. And so I, if he can go to Hagar and be present with her and he can be the God who is with me too. And so I just kind of like clung to that story. And I clung to a couple others, like um, the story of Ruth and Naomi and knowing that, you know, you've lost one brother and you lost another brother and now, or one son and another son. And now you were, we're going to go to a, a land and, you know, uh, Ruth says to Naomi, I, your God is my God. Your people are my people. I'm going to go where you go. And so I, I clung to the story of Ruth and I was like, okay, your people are my people. Who are my people? Who are my people? <laughs> Who's going to tell me that God's here in this? That he's in the midst of this, and so that was the other. So part. you started, you yeah. started searching like I out. I fought and found, and so you and Becca were my were were at the top of our list of like, no, I am going to find people who are going to pray, and who are going to seek the face of God on a deep level. They will be on their knees with me because I, <laughs> your people are my people. Like so. your your God is my God. He's the God who sees me. I can't do this without. Without it's like, so contrary to just natural, like you you understand, like I think it's such a poignant picture of what faith really is. When a mother says, "I'm going to conceive, and I'm going to bring forward a promise," like it's the perfect picture of what like a promise looks like. Yeah, you know, to the believer, it's the perfect perfect picture. But you're saying, so so you were conscious. On the inside and on the outside. And you know how scary it is to put your promise in somebody's, like to trust somebody to partner with you for your promise. I mean, first of all, there's very few people, right? Loyalty is done today Mm -hmm. in society. So there's very few people out there. I'm even telling, you know how many people, you know how many people get pregnant? Now, let's mm. just talk about, like, how many women get pregnant but are afraid to tell anybody? Yeah. For fear. So they don't feel safe, even around the, that's such an indictment on the people that we got surrounding us. Mm-hmm. We've got to feel safe. Like, I've got to feel safe around you to say, man, these are my dreams. Yeah. This is what God gave me. And i got to feel safe that that you're not going to hate on my promise Mm-mm. that you're going to that you're going to say the things to me that put my mind in the place of beholding that which the lord said yeah but it's so backwards i mean just the experience of what women go through and i just had a, a good friend of mine tell me she was pregnant i just had, and, and in same scenario same scenario and she was you know she's like we're pregnant and i I just got to tell you because I'm not going to be afraid anymore. And I trust you. And, you, you know, it's like, man, to put people around you, to be conscious enough to say, I'm not going to live in fear. 
And the fact that I'm living in fear is giving the enemy permission to kill mm-hmm. what God's trying to. And and that's the thing is is that believing the lie is worse than the lie itself, right? Like yes. you just you you go. Well, you That's can hear fire. the lie, yeah. but like you can, you can smote the lie, it, it, you know, but if you believe the lie, then you create this whole narrative that isn't actually real. Now you've like walked out the lie and you're like, I can't, you walk I, it I, out. I refuse to walk out. Like you, fine devil. D- tell me, tell me all the things you have a serpent's mouth. Like, sorry, I didn't mean to. Th- um, you, so you, I mean, instead of walking out the lie, you said, this this like, third time around. No, I'm gonna somebody told me no. God said that my womb is not a graveyard, so I'm not. I'm going, still like, shook. My womb is not going to kill this baby. Like this is. If, on, if, if any That's, other moment, oh. if any other thing, if any other moment, like we can blame it on whatever we want to blame it on. You can blame it on science. You can blame it on genetics. You can blame it like we already have a baby with genetic issues. Like I I know what that looks like. I, there's nothing that scares me at this point. I already know what the NICU looks like. I already know what special needs look like. I already know what therapy looks like. You are liberating people right now. It's not. That is a talk that most people don't have in the daylight. That's a, that's a, that's a in the dark with your husband crying and weeping, but like the courage that it takes when you just said my, my womb is not a graveyard. Like, man, if people could understand that, like, do not allow your life to become the graveyard of God's promises. Mm-mm. Don't give in to that. Don't walk that. Don't don't allow that to be your reality. And the hard thing, though, for people who keep experiencing loss is how do you keep your courage there? Well, how did you prep I, yourself? I think, like, that? I loved your story because. Sometimes you have the dream and God promises promises something to you, but it doesn't come out and look the way that you right. thought it was going to look, right? And that's that that's always that like dream a new dream or or put your faith in God that He's going to turn all things out for good, right? Yeah. D- Joseph couldn't have sat in Egypt and been uh, or sat in that pit <clears throat> when his brothers put him in there and then sold him to slavery and been like, yeah, I'm going to totally be a ruler right now, even though I had That's those dreams. extreme picture like, of that. I, right. So like, you just, you can't be like, oh, well, I'm going to be fine. Um, but that's the end of, of Genesis is like what God turned out for evil, God will make, you know, what devil turned out for evil, God will make good. So like, all right, Joseph can do it. Ruth can do it. Hagar can do it. They, they can face the adversity. These, these people aren't perfect. They're not not like um, not different than you. <laughs> they're not different than me they're they they make mistakes they they have ugly sin too like I, that yeah, doesn't i i i'm not amazing i don't you know like i can i can try to be like yeah i read my bible every day and i totally am in every like hours of devotion time no i'm not so i have a business and i have children and I'm, and like life happens but I still know what it looks like to put faith in in the thing that that everyone else said was invisible, but it's not. Do you think? Like, do you think faith? Do you think faith is innate? Innate. Yeah. I mean, I just see I see certain individuals. You know, these are the conversations that roll around in my mind. You know, you you, you look at your life, I look at you, and I go, man, it's just faith. It's just it's like it's in there, and then. And then I look at others, and I go, "You're not gonna make it." You know what I mean? And then I wonder, I like, you what? Can teach it. I think you can teach faith. I, I, I mean, I. Man, you I have to have a house of acts. I want to believe that, right? I, I think that faith also comes by demonstration, right? So, some people aren't going to be able to to have faith, or, or even it's a muscle more than it is anything else. But you're not going to be able to do it unless you see other people doing it around you. So faith is more based on what community. And I preach that sermon, man. What, but huh? I preach that sermon. Yes. You know what I mean? But, I mean, but I'm like, saying, what community do you have? There around are certain you, individuals that I encounter. I'm just like, it doesn't matter. You're not what even flexing. You, it doesn't matter what hell you go through. I've watched. Okay, so I watched you. Mm-hmm. I've been with you. I've seen your business. I've seen your home life. I've seen your 
you know, your pregnancies, your chi- your children. Shiloh is like my little baby, you know, like, yeah, you know, I- I've watched it. And I just time after time after time, the reaction. A not like there's just a reaction of faith, like. And I just wonder, is there like this? I don't know. Is there like the prayer we're going to, should we pray a different prayer? I don't know. Like, no, I but think that, some like people, you just, you have, there's some of us have, have a shovel in our hands. We're going to dig deep, you know, like I, I do think that I don't, I don't think that we're. So it's born. generational. I, I think that you, gen- you have, I mean, wait, wait. <laughs> when you look at, I mean, we can <laughs> look at, start digging on people now. We're just gonna start I'm not going to, I'm not going to go generational because you can, you can cut, you can cut generational things. Um, but like, I'm X. <laughs> Come at me. Um, but I think that some of us have have shovels. I think some of us have tools that others didn't or, or weren't, you know, given. And it's not that they're not accessible. It's not that they can't be picked up. It's just some of us don't pick them up. Some mm. of some people don't know how. They don't know what tools they're supposed to grab. They they think that I, I think that even um, Hagar didn't have the tools until God showed up in her face you know Mm -hmm. like i i don't i don't think that she was like oh yeah i'm totally somebody that has faith in this moment yeah i'm fine like sarah can beat me up all she wants like no like i i really think that she was in a despair moment where she was just like i quit like this isn't i don't have any tools i don't have anything who am i you say that and you're sharing that story but that is not who you are. Like you're communicating. You're not Hagar. No. I've never seen you give up. <laughs> you know but what I mean? I mean, but that's, are, you, nobody sees me like give that. up in, in like, in public. <laughs> like, I, I, don't I, I was, I don't know. Like Brit, there was, I, there was a couple moments that, that September of 21 was a give up moment. And, and honestly, she, was it a give up moment or was it a like despair, I, agony, I yeah, end of maybe. myself? I can't do this. I don't admit to many people when I'm at my give up point. And, and honestly, my give up moments last maybe 48 hours. That's max. What I'm t- yeah. Like, I, I don't know if I really give up, you know, like it's, it's like I give up, re- you know, pause. I'm just going to hit pause. Like I don't, yeah. I quit. For the moment. And I use the word I quit and it drives, it drives Ivan nuts. He's like, no, we don't quit. We when keep I say fighting. I quit, it we means something putting different. In, you know, and it's just a time out. Like, and Ivan's, but Ivan's like Becca, right? So yeah. like, he's like, he's like, no, no, because God. That's is, a compliment, you know, I think. Like, it's absolutely Ivan. a compliment. <laughs> It's, We're talking about it's absolutely Abraham. a compliment. Like yeah, compliment. I, there, there are faith gurus. You and I are the pragmatics though. Like we have very, like we get to a place where like, I'm going to grumble a little bit and I'm going to oh, yeah. verbally process. And there's a little bit of catharsis. And then, and then our spouses come in and they're like, you have to shut your mouth now. Yeah, <clears> you're not true. allowed to talk anymore because what comes out of your mouth is a seed. So shut it. And so I got really good this year at like, shutting my mouth and and I was like no I can't I I can't talk right now and and if I have nothing to say I'm just going to sit still so um that's yeah that was I heard this I heard this guy the other day say um he said um once I learned it was like this military dude he said once I learned that when I was out of control and um you know emotionally out of control that it was weakness I was conscious for the rest of my life never to be out of control. And when I heard that, I was haunting for me. I'm like, now every time I get to the edge and I want to like say the thing that brings just temporary relief to the, to the pressure that's built up from the thing. And I want to say it in a, in a way that just like defies the promise. I just won't. James one nineteen uh, through 27 is the passage that we're working on right now in school um, with the kids. And it's that mm-hmm. you need to be quick um, mm-hmm. to listen and slow to speak and slow to yeah. anger. And I'm just like, of course, of course, this would be the lesson and the scripture that we're focusing on this. Because like <laughs> it is my it's it's awful. Postpartum hormones That's real. are ugly. Yeah. And uh, my mouth is ugly when I get stressed out. I think everybody <laughs> gets like that. I think that's why words, words, words are so connected to the your it's images. Yeah. Well, there's there's a book called Eight Great Smarts, and it's really cool because it talks about if you're word smart or um, mm. 
uh, it talks about like different different ways that we can be smart. And one of them, if you're word smart, mm. um, it's it's one of the ways that you communicate uh, best, but it's also your greatest sin. It's how you can sin uh, <laughs> quickly. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's really good. All right, so I mean, the words for me are so powerful because they become images to me, and then then my images become my imagination, and my imagination creates my reality. And, uh, and I'm so aware of it that, you know, like once I learn that, I'm like, oh, take every thought captive. Yeah. So it doesn't become a word. So it doesn't create an image. So it doesn't create an imagination. So it doesn't become your reality. It's just, it's powerful. And when you said that earlier, when you said uh, you, uh, you, instead of walking out the lie, you walked out the truth. Then you began to like, you went and got the crib. Yeah. And you we went you, and got the crib. And then I started a garden with my friend. I didn't go on bed rest. We decided not to do progesterone. All you did was focus on the promise. We just we said no. I'm just going to keep going. We're just gonna we're gonna go kayaking. We're going to go on vacation. We're going to no fear walk. Where I'm not going to like do any kind of bed. So we didn't we didn't do any bed rest. We we made sure that I was listening to my body. Sure. So if I got tired or something, but like, what was it August 10th? There was this like benefit concert like dance thing that a whole bunch of the moms went to from our, our homeschool community and I was dancing and I'm like 35 weeks 34 weeks pregnant at the time like having a blast just like and and that's I by the time I was 30 weeks pregnant with Eva I was on bed rest and um, I had Shiloh at 34 weeks so I'm doing something that in times past would have placed me in a, a position of alarm. But I was, it was almost like, I dare you. I dare you to try to take my baby right now. I dare you to like, I was like, no, I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to, I, I'm going to be smart, but I'm going to go have fun. I'm going to go like enjoy uh, my community and, and not, um, and not think of, <gasps> My water could break at any time. So mm. it was just that faith moment where we were making sure that everything was okay. But then after we knew everything was fine, we're just going to go. We're going to go, like, now yeah. go have fun. Go be. Yeah. So we're, I was crawling around in the dirt all summer long um, with with a massive garden. is probably double the size of, like, this area. And we're, like, planting things and weeding and all of that stuff. And and so that was fun. And then I, our um, my son went to 4-H um, and did a uh, um, state fair thing, and then he did uh, the the Lorain County Fair. So we're walking around the fair the whole time, and I'm 36 weeks pregnant by that point. And um, then we're we're walking out like the the end of the pregnancy, and that was the the scariest part mm -hmm. was the the last part. So you want me to tell you about that really quick? Sure. So we uh, definitely we had October. Um, the, the first week in October. So my feet started to get a little swollen. And yeah. that tends to be an indicator that you might have uh, some some um, hypertension or uh, blood pressure issues or preeclampsia and things like that. Preeclampsia is scary. So like, so it's like the one thing <laughs> like that you can attack uh, a pregnant woman with with fear. So here we go. And and so you're. I was like, no, you don't get to have my baby right now. It's not yeah. time. And, um, so my, my feet wouldn't stop swelling. And so I'm wearing compression socks. I'm still walking around. I'm still doing whatever I want. I'm just making sure that I'm drinking all the water, taking all the magnesium, all the things. And we got, uh, the blood tests back on October 1st. And one of the blood tests said that I had, uh, preeclampsia and it was like you, the, my midwife that was overseeing me. Uh, locally, not my my visiting midwife, uh, the the one that's going to deliver the baby, um, the other one. She was just like, "You need to go to the hospital right now." So that which you feared gave you a phone oh, call. Yeah, so totally, and and the baby was laying sideways. She wasn't head down at the time, which means that um, I knew that my body wasn't ready to go into labor at that point. This mm -hmm. is October first. The baby was born October seventh. Um, <clears throat> I knew that. Uh, if we went into the hospital that day, that not only would I be induced, but it would probably be a C-section because of how the baby was positioned. Yeah. And um, I was like 
if you could find the one thing that gripped like that fear moment. And so Lauren comes in and she's like, she's already, you know, local at that point. And she goes, what, what are you feeling right now? And I was like, I feel that Holy Spirit's saying that it's not time yet for the baby to be born. And she's like, what are you hearing from Holy Spirit other than that? She's like, and I said, well, I, I feel like we just need to wait and see. And she goes, okay, while we wait and see, <laughs> here's all the things that I want you to take, and let's go do a second wave of blood tests. And so we went and we did another wave of blood tests, and those results came back on Wednesday because you don't really want to play around with preeclampsia. Like, you could bleed out. Mm-hmm. And she sent to work all of her prayer warriors at that point. And she was like, we're going to declare that this is going to be a healthy birth. We're going to speak over the blood that is, you know, that, that comes, that it's not going to be heavy. We're not going to see heavy bleeding. Where, you know, she keeps all her blood. It was essentially like the, the, the overall prayer. And I don't know if I'm making anyone squeamish, and I'm sorry. But um, <clears throat> and we're going to pray that the baby's okay. Um, because that's another concern. Um, and so Wednesday, which is October 4th, 5th, something like that, um, the test came back and they were, I, I had, um, hypertension. So I had high blood pressure, Uh but I didn't have preeclampsia. And I was like messaging you and, and Becca at the time. And I was just like, please just pray. Cause like they were just, everything the, my numbers, my blood pressure just kept skyrocketing. It just kept getting higher. And we were just like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Why, why God, why would this, why would it look like this? Why, you know, and I'm just like, this felt like an attack more than anything. Um, because I had been the, a bill of health up until that point and everything was looking beautiful. Um, and right after um, we had decided what we were going to do and get a second blood test, the, the baby flipped and she went head down. And I was like, oh, you're here. And then she dropped. And so we were like, oh, you've been positioned. Mm. And so we we're like, oh, you're going to come. I don't know when you're going to come, but you're going to come. So I woke up Friday morning, um, like relieved on Wednesday that we we're like, okay, I'm not going to the hospital. Like we know that this is hypertension. We know that we, we know how to help hypertension even in um, home birth. And, and so that's like the big thing is like home birth is you, you need to make sure that you're making wise decisions. Um, and there's some home, uh, like midwives that would be like, absolutely not hyper, you know, hypertension, proclaims it, none of it. I don't touch any of it. Everybody goes to the hospital because it can be a touch and go thing. But I think that like, because Lauren sat on, um, (laughs) trusting God and, and was believing Holy Spirit in that moment. And we were prayerfully walking this out. I think that like faith pushed us in a direction more than, um, what I think practical like wisdom would have said. <laughs> and so we were like, okay, we're going to go out on a limb and we're going to have a home birth and we're going to do this. So we, um, I labored, um, for, I don't know, 12 hours, something like that from 7am till till almost 6pm at night or something. And, um, at any given moment, um, Ivan had worship music playing and it was my mom and Ivan and Lauren in the room and at any given moment, I through the contractions, through all of it, we could I could hear either my mom praying, or speaking in tongues, or Ivan singing and worshiping, or Lauren praying and speaking in tongues, and like the whole room was filled with the presence of God, like it was just it was thick, um, and so Nalia was born, and I could hear like we had people watching our kids downstairs. And so our homeschool family is hanging out in our, oh, like our house is a party house that day. So I could hear like all of these kids playing in the backyard, playing downstairs. They're hearing me <laughs> make sounds. Shiloh, Shiloh goes, story, Shiloh goes, mommy sounds like a bear. And, <laughs> and we, we just kind of uh, laughed because I've never had, I've never been really vocal during labor, but this one, I was very vocal. And, and so she's born and, um, we get to that, that last part where we're like, okay, there's things and no, there was no excess. There was no, like it was, it is the, the blood that came was all that was needed. And like, there wasn't, I, I wasn't a heavy, there was nothing. Mm. So like any level, any fear 
of bleeding out, any fear of like everything was just, I, I, my, my uterus was, was good. All of the like baby was beautiful. She was healthy. She was thick and pink and all the, the cheeks in the world. And, and so it was, it was so cool. And we just sat there in it. And, um, right afterwards I tried to stand up and I couldn't, and I couldn't walk and I couldn't walk for a whole week after. But I sat, and it was because my muscles were too tight, and, and we worked on that too. But, like, in the moment where I was, like, not fully paralyzed, but paralyzed, we, we sat, and I was like, God, why, why did you just have my miracle come, and then you just sat me down? Mm. And, and Holy Spirit's like, because this is your moment to rest. Hold it. This is your moment to hold this. And I could hear, like, almost a symphony of music happening at any given moment. So while my body is like really angry, but the baby's beautiful and perfect, where I'm sitting in our, we have a, I, I bought a rocking chair that I could um, recline and I could just, I sat and I held the baby and I could hear heaven sing in our room still. The atmosphere of Holy, like Holy Spirit was just so mm. thick. It was almost like a cloud in the, like, I, like the ceiling was like, felt like cloudy like you know like that atmosphere cloud where you're just like whoa so like just sat in this place where every obstacle that came during the pregnancy without faith we would have made a completely different choice and um it would have had a completely different outcome but we walked it out in this way that it was just like so cool you see the contrast and in the um you know, as you speak and, you know, uh, as a woman, I think you're, you're really, you're telling the story of the church right now, you know, and, and it's not, you know, it's like, it's not condemning, but, you know, you lack, where we lacked discernment before, we gained it now, mm-hmm. now we gained it, and, and it took an immersion, like you had to be full all the way in the water, you know, with Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And uh, it says this of Jesus, you know, when you're saying this, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so true. You, uh, it says of Jesus when he returned from the Jordan, when he, when he got baptized in the Jordan, yeah, the Holy Spirit came upon him. But then the, the next, and I think it's uh, Luke 4, verse 1, it says that when he returned from the Jordan, he was full of the Spirit. And went into the wilderness. Almost like Jesus was letting us know, like, you won't be able to make it through your wilderness if you're not immersed in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You have to be immersed. Yeah. It has to be. And where you can see the church has missed it, you know, kind of like lack discernment over the last two or three years, right? We can see that. She has been dull in the mm. last two or three years. But I feel like, She's gained clarity because she's understood that Jesus isn't here, but the third person of the Trinity of the Holy Spirit yeah. is here. And if we're going to make it through the wilderness, we got to be immersed. And that's what you're telling me yeah. happened. Yeah. And, and like right in the middle of all of that, like at the very tail end was when um, the we were challenged on faith on all sides. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. there's there's. There was finances that were challenged. There was health stuff that was challenged. Um, Shiloh, a week after the baby was born, had three seizures within 36 hours. And we had it end up in the hospital. Like we were, uh, it it was to to feel like. (laughs) like What an attack. The the miracle that just, I'm holding a mirror. I'm literally holding a miracle. My body suffers violence. I know. And my body is like. A walking miracle. I, I, I was, I was actually physically healed. I have blood tests to prove it. Yeah. From from calcified thyroid to not like I, I have it. I have physical like, and and all of this keeps happening. Like no, no, you don't. You're just trying to steal. The the faith that produces joy. Yeah. You're you're like and and. At that, the, the tail end of the year was, I will not, I cannot allow the corruption of the lie 
to be the thing that sits and robs me of the joy. The joy. And and so that's that's kind of like our focus this year is like joy. I am going to focus on joy. Come on. I am going to focus on joy. And I found this this pen at yeah. the church, I don't know, like three <laughs> or four weeks ago. And it says joy on it. Yeah. And I was like, what? This is awesome. Yeah, joy. Is, so I was like, I don't know whose pen I stole. And I'm sorry. Um, don't was, embrace <laughs> it. You know, I, said this. I say this a lot, but don't embrace a theology of suffering. That's mm-hmm. not the focus. That's not what no. the Bible teaches. You know, the, the message of, of the cross to the believer is that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Yeah. He endured the suffering for what? Joy. What was the focus? Joy. What's the focus of the believer? Joy. Meaning no matter how many times it doesn't work, it's going to work. Meaning if we just keep joy the focus, the suffering will, will be laid peripheral. We'll get, we'll get through it. You can't focus on it. There's, there's, I, and the moments that for us, uh, recently, um, in 2020, you had spoken, um, over us that, and said like, this is the moment where you need to expand your, your territory and, and your house is, is being filled with a lot of things and and we need to like, you're, you're ready to, to grow, Mm -hmm. I, I think. And, and so we were talking about like going and buying a house and things like that. And then 2020 happened, 2021 happened, mm-hmm. and 2022, I was like, I'm not going to buy a house while I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not going to do it. I want to just, I want to be present in the pregnancy. And I know that if I try to buy a house right now, that I'm not going to be focused on, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing. Mm-hmm. And so I, but it's kind of turned into that hope deferred makes the heart sick. Come on, yeah. You know, and you're just like, okay, what's, it's what, time. Is it, what does it look like? And so I, I heard uh, Holy Spirit man, like the I, other there's day. There's such a witness in the room today. And, right and now. he was like, "You're you're allowed to hope for things that you put on the shelf." And and the day before, so um, Sunday morning, I woke up, mm. and we've been you know praying about Shiloh, and uh, there's some things that we're watching, and and uh, I had a dream, and this is why I had enough faith to go up, you know, and and talk on Sunday. But like, the dream um, was her talking. Uh, without any um, hindrance, mm-hmm. and um, she started running. Come on! And I was like, okay. And it's the first time that I've seen something. I've I've had a dream like that, or you know, since she was three. So it's been five years, and I was just like, okay, because you told me that she was healed, yeah. and and then, and I've been you know wondering, you know, like, are we? Do I need to start planning? Like, be a good steward of what what's in front of us? Do I need to? What, what does this need to look like? You know, like estate planning and <clears throat> long-term planning and all of the things that, you know, parents of special needs, you know, children have to ask and be practical of. And, and I, I kind of feel like that that person that keeps her head in the sand. I'm like, no, my kid's going to get healed. I'm not worrying about that. I'm not going to do it. And then, you know, that makes me feel stubborn. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and so um, I'm like, well, maybe I'm not being pragmatic. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to. And, and then I had that dream, like, right when I started talking to somebody else about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I maybe I should go get this testing and this testing and this testing. And um, then Holy Spirit gives me this. And I was like, okay. So so it's just me. It's my flesh that's freaking out. Like, I, I need to flex that faith muscle again. And it's not that... I can't, I think that, you know, you just, you have compartments of your life where your faith is stronger than others. And, you know, with, with a child with special needs, like you just kind of like go, what am I allowed to have faith for? What do I have to surrender? What do I have to concede to? And, and so when you walk through that, I think that it's a challenge because you have so many other families that like look at you and they go, well, why haven't you done this, this, or this? Or why don't you do this, this, or this? And I I think that you don't want to be scolded (laughs) in a community that you need to depend on, but you also don't want to sit in a place where you don't have any more faith left, you know, where you're like, I... Uh, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fully surrender to all of the diagnoses yet. I'm not gonna, and maybe that's me being stubborn, but like, I feel like daily bread is, is definitely. We talked about this before we we came on the air, but you had mentioned something and I don't, I don't necessarily recall it, but as you're speaking, I just hear the Lord saying this, that, uh, 
apple seeds don't make apple trees. Apple seeds make orchards. Yeah. And what one's you know one apple seed was never intended to be one apple tree. It was meant to become an orchard, and that means that one act of faith begets another act of faith, which reaps a harvest of faith. Yeah. And so if God did that, and God will do the next thing. So God, God gave you the new baby. Yeah. And God's going to give you the new house. Yeah. And God's going to give you the bigger vision for your business as an entrepreneur. And God's going to finish the promise to Shiloh. Yeah. You Amen. Know? That's it. Amen. That's it. I'll take it. I, I, I think <laughs> like when, when you had first spoken it, you know, the seed prophecy like i think that we were we were only focused on on yeah. finances yeah I think obviously so. I you think know because like you're just like you're like okay i need money um <laughs> <laughs> but but you know like if you if you really walk back and you go okay i i love i like that more that's much better <laughs> i'll take i'll take because i'll take the, the orchard like it, the orchard it? of miracles more than an orchard of no kidding of uh like just money like because orchards of miracles are <laughs> no kidding it's supposed to be like that like it's not supposed to like it's never supposed to be but what we imagined. Mm. It's supposed to be greater than we could ask, think, yeah. or imagine. I believe it. that for you. Amen. We've been doing this for about 50 minutes Oh now. my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so we're going to have to come back and talk about the rest of the story. There's a whole lot more to talk about. This is my sister, Britt Wesley. Thank you for joining us today. we got to go. Pray you were enjoy- I pray you were encouraged, empowered, and strengthened. Listen, until next time, wake up and hustle like heaven to make sure... Somebody out there feels the effects of your influence. Bring heaven to your home, your city, your nation. Don't wait till it's too late. Make sure to get to a place that manufactures hope this Sunday. The only place I know that is Church of the Living God. I'm Pastor Troy Thompson with my sister, Britt Wesley. Thank you for joining us. God bless you.